They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Lika Koningen. Lika is a mother, a moderator, a life coach, community builder, and event producer. She is further an award-winning teacher, a dancer, and workshop developer who lives with her family in Amsterdam. From a very young age, Lika felt the need to stand up against injustice, and her passion for social justice has been part of her life forever. She believes that it's important to speak with people and not about them when seeking solutions. Inspiring others is very important to her, and she further loves to connect people with each other, while human connection, or crew love as Lika calls it, is what she needs to be fulfilled. At certain points in her life, she lived in Venezuela and Spain, and those experiences taught her to stand on her own feet. She further grew up in a loving family and wants the same for her children. As a creative mother, making memories is much more important to her than material matters. I can say that Lika shows to the world that our identity is not limited, that we can do and be many things with equal measure as if it is singularly who we are. With her work and ideas, she brings flavor into the world initiates change for the next generation, and raises awareness on important topics. In this episode, we will speak about Lika's strong social justice vision, the importance of trying, evolving, Lika's passion for dancing, her son, and a very personal story of mine, and of course, much, much more. Welcome, Lika, to Solve the Podcast. I'm very happy that you're here with us today. Yes, I'm happy too. I'm very excited about the conversation. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so yeah, let's start with uh, who are you? Who is Lika? Tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm Lika Koninger and I was born and raised in Amsterdam. My parents were Lonneke Koninger and she was always very caring. And uh, my dad, who's with me in spirit, he was always like against injustice. So they gave me a brother after six years. And I really didn't want to have a brother. Oh. I'm very sorry if he's listening right now. But I was like, we're just fine together. Why do we need another person with us? And But then once he was born, he was like mine. Nobody could touch him. And, you know, I was like really mothering him. And now I'm really proud of him, of what he became. And um, yeah, uh, I lived abroad twice. So I lived in Spain and in Venezuela. And that has really broadened my view on life and on people. I work as a transition manager at a community college um, and I try to, well, I don't try to, what I'm doing is like put inclusion on the map. So that goes from events with students that we talk about it, that we will have like people coming to tell their life stories, their experience, their uh, thought on personal leadership and mindset. But it also goes into board, boardrooms that we have to talk about why inclusion is so important, what we should do about it. Then since just 
well, reason. I'm a board member of Productiehuis Noord, which is an initiative of Verdedig Noord. They are really defending the north side of Amsterdam and uh, the community that lives there. And then, well, I have a very beautiful partner. He has a daughter and I've got a son. And I think he's really a wonderful dad and really somebody that leads by example. And he really is like, yeah, like a blessing to my existence. That's who I am. Actually, yes. And I used to, I used to dance. So I did a lot of things, but I used to dance and travel the world with dancing and, you know, had this whole network of other dancers and the whole dancing community, which was really, really wonderful. Yes. And we will, of course, talk about everything you just mentioned. (laughs) We will touch upon all of this throughout Mm. our conversation. And I mean, in your introduction, it's already clear that you are engaged on so many levels. You are engaged with the youth through your work in the in the college. You are now part of the yeah the, the political movement in Amsterdam Nord for people maybe who are listening who are not from even the Netherlands. Amsterdam Nord is a yeah is a part of Amsterdam in the north um, that yeah. is uh, yeah is, has become very gentrified and that has a lot of problems. Of course, like gentrification is a big problem. In a lot of places and in Amsterdam Nord now, the housing prices have gone up extremely. People have yes. to move away. They cannot find housing. Mm-hmm. Rich people, middle class people are moving in and pushing other people um, out. So, um, yeah, this is yeah. one of the big problems. And you are part of, an, of a community group, I understood, that is um, yeah, fighting for fair housing. And yes, you are also part of a running team that you didn't mention in the introduction. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you you are a life coach. At least you studied it. So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that you've done. And all this, I'm mentioning this because, yes, you are engaged on so many levels and you have this very strong social justice vision that is Mm -hmm. really part of who you are in your professional life, in your personal life. So my question to you is, why do you do what you do? Wow, that's a very big question. Well, I don't know. I think ever since I was a child, at least that's what my mom told me because I was still thinking of doing another study again. And uh, I said, yeah, maybe I want to do something with this or with that. And then my mom was like, duh, that's logical because ever since she was a child, you were standing up for you know against injustice. So if there were children that were bullied, you were the one that stood up for them. If there were children that came in new in the neighborhood, uh, you know you would make them feel welcome, or you would you know take them home and teach them about the Netherlands or something. So she said, as a, as a young child, you already had that in you. And then I think during my life, bed, uh, well, I feel very privileged. I mean, I grew up with my parents being married, uh, living in a house with a garden, having my own room. Uh, we would go on vacation every year and. You know, growing up, getting older, I saw the difference between me and and some of my friends. For example, my parents had a shop, which was in Amsterdam West. And I would see like other kids, they would just live in in an apartment and, you know, had to share rooms. And then, I, you know, I felt like why? And they also get like in, in school, they might have other chances. I might be the loud one in school, but I would never get like the teacher saying, Lika, be quiet now. It would always be the other kids. And I never understood quite why. So maybe I think all these little experiences, also like police, well, brutality, maybe not, but like ethnic profiling that you would see in the streets, I would be like, I don't understand. But then when you're young, you kind of like do not know how to handle it. And I really wanted to do something also for other people. And I think that's what makes me do what I do. 
I used to be a dancer and then I was like asked in school, would you like to become a teacher? And I, I don't have that example of like this teacher, I really like this teacher or this teacher changed my life. Mm, so I kind of like was doubting, like, should the, you know, teaching be something for me? But then I was like, yeah, well, maybe if just listening to what the students need and just seeing what you know maybe can do for them without becoming like their savior, because that's like a big mistake, you know, but to make them to build themselves and take leaderships in their own hands. You know, I was like, maybe maybe it's something I should try. And I'm doing it for more than 11 years. And it still is like a mission, but it became even bigger because it's like you see that the whole system of education is not fit for everybody. So you want to see if you can also like from the inside, see if you can make changes that are good, like for for many of the students. So not only for the norm or like, let's say what they set as the norm, but for, yeah, for everybody, because I think education should be for everybody. Yes. And I, I also remember uh, you told me that when you first started, you were actually doing meditation with the students. And that oh, they yes. Loved it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was. I was still studying for life coaching, and I mean, we had visualizations, kind of meditations, and I, I was their dancing teacher. So they would come, and we would dance. And but then sometimes I would, you know, you would feel that their energy wasn't there to dance. But they would always come to my class, and sometimes it made me wonder, like, why are they always in my class? You know, and then I would ask them, like, okay, you don't feel like dancing today, but you're still here, and I still want to do something with you. So what do you want to do? And they were always like, well, we don't know, teacher. And I just started like, okay, you know what? Make a circle, close your eyes. And for me, it was really like, oh, I'm not sure if they like this or what will they think? I just did a visualization with them. And afterwards, they were really like, whoa, that felt so relaxed. And some would even say, like, that's even like the same effect as smoking a joint. And I was like, okay, okay, well, then let, let's do more visualization and not smoke too much. But then <laughs> it just became a, a little thing. And then You know, um, one at one time we I organized this this thing um, that like all kind of teachers teachers could do like whatever they wanted. Like some teachers maybe may have a hobby as as painter, and then they could like give a workshop as paint as to how to paint. And other ones would you know teach something about mathematics. It could be like everything, making music, but it it could be like a very serious topic or an artificial. It could be like everything. And then we had this. Uh, one class which was yoga and one of the the, the 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 students could write themselves in and one of the first classes that was full was the yoga class and I was a bit, a bit surprised because I didn't I didn't think they would really like that or something but then when I asked them about it after the after the workshop they were like yeah but sometimes our head is so full mm. and we have to do so many things and we don't have any space to feel at peace of, or to rest and this is so relaxing so I was like okay wow Yeah, so, you know, sometimes it's really good to try something else because a lot of times we forget that they have so many things that they have to do. They have to study. Some have to, like, also uh, bring financials into the house. Uh, you know, they might have a, a sister or brother or parent that they had to take care of. So it's not for everybody the same that they just come home and they've got their parents that take care of them and that there's food on the table. And so sometimes it's really important for the, yeah, to make space in your in your mind And if school provides that, how nice is that? Because you have to be there. So how good is it that you can also do something like that? Um, and based on, on what you just shared with us, I also want you to tell us what is needed more in the schools and the colleges 
because yeah, of course we need to teach our kids how to read and write and do mathematics and history and I don't know what, but I believe there's much more needed in the schools. Like you just gave us a really good example with the yoga that we are demanding so much from kids in, in school and there's not just school, there's also life happening at the same time. So sometimes having a moment where you can just breathe will make such a big difference. And your example is really beautiful that I'm thinking, okay, why is that not taught in schools, you know? Well, the, but the, but there's, there's a few things because like also teachers, the schedule of teachers is like really full because there's all these things, these curricula that we have to fill in and that they have to do exams and those exams are set and they're yeah. defined by the state. So, so what I found really beautiful and that was also my motivation that I became a teacher because it was like, it was actually for, for youngsters, for students that, never had success in school so you have to help the students like the, it's really for the students to see who who am i what am i capable of what do i already do and what can i even get better at where are my talents so that, take the time to really see the person the individual and that's things that that sometimes are missing as a teacher you you know that's that's one thing that you should have time for to really invest in the in the individual see what's needed and then you know help them in that level and then you know and then you have all these other things like what you just said mathematics and and all that but really like if they feel that they are seen and that they value you know then then the learning process is very easy and also create safe space because if they see you as a teacher that they trust and that they feel comfortable with you know and that you as a teacher can also be like uh, vulnerable then the will to learn from you is way bigger. So that's also something that I think, I mean, of course you have a professional level, so it's not, I'm going to become friends with you, but you do have to provide like a certain safe space so that they are, you know, able to learn in that safe space. And I think that's, that's something that we really should build on more. So as a teacher, you really have to be a lot of people, a lot of persons, and you really have to teach a lot, a lot more than just how they can become a certain profession. For example, like on the 5th of October, we're going to have this event. It's also Diversity Day, but it's we don't do it only because we need, you know, Diversity Day. That That's just, I think diversity is a whole fashion kind of a, you know, word or it became that. But uh, what we're going to do, there's like a lot of people coming and they all have their stories. And it's more about storytelling and about, because the students are already professionals. They already have a talent, but they, they need to develop it more. And that's what we should help them with. And that if by telling stories towards each other and by telling what I've experienced, I'm a little bit older and I just have a little bit more experience. And by sharing that experience, by sharing maybe the mistakes that I've made or the lessons that I've learned uh, with, with, with the students, then they can share their story as well. And then you can learn from each other in a whole different way, which is maybe even more valuable than one hour of teaching them a job because i think at this moment i haven't i i didn't become what i've studied for i think yes. a lot of people if and you ask, you know i actually you... i actually want to take it from from exactly where you just <laughs> stopped or where i stopped you yeah um because when we met you told me oh i studied uh, graphic design yes and uh flight to become a flight attendant <laughs> yes. and then I started I wanted to be a hairdresser but my yes. boyfriend didn't want me to be a hairdresser so I finished <laughs> the leisure management no the the steward the, the flight attendant then uh, you studied leisure management uh -huh. correct <laughs> yes then you started working at G-Star as a 
project manager or something? Yes, I've been interior designing. Okay. Yes, true. And you became a salsa teacher and had your own dancing school. Yes. And you <laughs> became a life coach and now you're a teacher. Uh, I'm just mentioning the main things, but hearing you say I, that, I, I love like, it. <laughs> hearing you say that is like, damn. And I still haven't made up my mind what I really want to become when I'm old. <laughs> and I was like, damn. But I do. We are that, becoming all yes, the time. We are becoming all the time. Yes, definitely. And I could not quote actually two people, but um, <laughs> I will. Michelle Obama. Exactly. She say it all the time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Also. She says. She also says actually, don't ask kids what they want to become. That is one of the most stupid questions actually. Yes, because, because how we are you constantly know? becoming. Yeah, and, that's true. And it's not like my job is who I will be, and and that's it, you know. No. But I want to quote Maya Angelou, and we will talk about her a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, she said, I think we have systematically and critically harmed ourselves and many young people by advising them not to try things. And oh, you yeah. tried many things. <laughs> you moved around. You are many things. You don't allow anyone to put you into a box. You're really willful <laughs> about that you are multiple things. So tell us about this part of your life and the importance of Maya's statement. Not to try things. I think that's the most, but that's something I have to thank my mom for because I was always just like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then, then she knew that if she was going to stop me, I would even, I would still do it. So I was just, you couldn't tell me to not do it. And I think definitely from all those things that I've done, of course, you know, a lot of things went wrong, but I'm still here. I think we talked about this, right? And then, But then I think from everything I learned, and today I also saw this, it was a quote, I think I don't even remember where it was, but it was like, everything is experience and experience is everything. So I think by experiencing things, you will learn so much. And, you know, and from everything you learn from the experience, you can also take it with you and, you know, take it further or give it, pass it on to the next generation. But if you don't experience, you know, if, if, if nobody says, try it, You never know. So you should always try. If something, you know, really calls you, try it. I mean, I lived in Venezuela when I was 19. I went there. I did a practical period over there. And then, well, being there, there was this huge uh, natural natural disaster. Uh, Everything was slowed down because there was mud storms and you couldn't work and you really had to stay at home. And my mom was really like, but you should come to Holland. You should come back. And I was like, no, I think. You know, I think I should stay. I mean, the people here have no choice and no options. So why should I like flight or, or you know, escape? I think I should stay. So I stayed and, and saw what I what we could do for, for the community or for other people um, and also see how I could help my friends. And just surviving that, you know, made, made me really grow into like an adult because I was this young girl having fun, going out and not really feeling any responsibility and after that period I felt so responsible and I felt like oh wow and I also really learned how to stand on my own two feet but as a mother I can really understand why you know she wanted me to come back because it's like damn my child is there and that's what you have as a mother as well like the first time your child climbs onto something you're like oh don't do that because you're gonna fall and then you try to protect them but I also learned that by protecting my son all the time it didn't help him at the end. I mean, if he falls, of course, you don't want him to break anything, but he will learn and know that, okay, next time I should be a little bit more careful. 
So it's it's I think it's a hard thing, and also you see it with some stu- with some students. I see it like you know they want to take another path, which you're like mm, I don't know I don't know you know if that's but you have to see they have to experience that by themselves to really know if this is something for me or not. So it's letting go and you know giving giving that space, but don't tell anybody that they can't do something because I mean the mind is the biggest thing, the biggest motivation. If you put something in somebody's mind that they can't do it, they might believe it and then they're not even what they don't even want to try it. Yes, and I think also telling or, or showing people that you learn also by making mistakes. Yes, definitely. Sometimes I feel people are scared of trying because they think they will fail, but you know, how you, we learn how to walk, we would try, fall, mm-hmm. get up again, fall down again. Yes. And at one point we knew how to walk and that's also with many things. And Yeah. If you never tried walking, you would still crawl. Imagine yeah. us, all of yeah. us crawling, <laughs> still be crawling, you know. This is, yeah. And even, you know, even if, if you're, you know, not so, certain things, you know, are not possible because you're not built that way or you're not, but you can still achieve so much. That's what we do with the running project because I didn't mention it in the beginning, but it's actually the Pata running team. And Edson like had this whole vision on how to get the youth into running, but it's actually not about running. It's really about putting a group together of 25 individuals that don't know each other, youngsters, um, that all struggle with daily life maybe, or with questions that they have or with who am I actually. We put them together and the goal is to run half a marathon. But in the beginning, and you only have like half a year to train for it. In the beginning, no, some of them are not even able to run 5K. Some of them run very fast, but the goal is like to get there with everybody. So you help each other. It's really about crew love. And it's so amazing to see that whole process. I mean, we train together three times a week. They're really, really dedicated. And we have a training camp. And in the training camp, it's also my life coaching stuff comes there. But then it's also really about everybody share something from their personal life. And you really get to know like, oh, and you really see that everybody has a story. We should not like put like all those biases and stuff that we have onto a person. You really, if you really look behind the person, who the person is, everybody has a story. So let's be a bit lovely or nicer to each other. And really, you know, you all share something. And then with that, at the end, like they, some might not be able to make the finish because of, you know, uh, injuries or something, but they're all supporting each other. And at the end, when you make that goal, It's not that that medal that you get, but it's like the experience that brings you somewhere that you thought you could never get. And then you you get there and then you've got this whole network of people that you just met. And, you know, you will even have the will to go on and then or maybe do a whole marathon or or something else in life. But it gives you so much power to believe in yourself that, you know, you see, I still follow the youngsters from our first project. And it's like amazing one of them even became a coach at the, at the whole Potter running team first he became like a peer coach just running with them and now you see that he really motivates and it's not only just a national thing we also do it international so we connect like youngster teams from London from other countries and then they come together so they also get to know other places some of them never traveled and now they get the chance to travel so that's you know it's like it's it's those experiences that that do so much and maybe at the moment that you're doing it you don't see it but afterwards you're like Oh, that's what it brought me. So all those crazy things that I did and all those studies, some of them I didn't finish because otherwise people, I would have been 60 or 70. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it did form me. I think every aspect and everything that I tried formed me into what I have, I have now. And it can also make me share with the students. Yeah, yeah, I made this choice. 
but I never became that. But still, it brought me something. And yeah, I moved on and tried something else. Yes. I have nothing else to say. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm like, do I need to say more? Do I silence? <laughs> what do I do? Shit. <laughs> no, when I'm silent, oh. it usually means I'm either thinking about what you said or I, have, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Maybe just in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Again, because not everybody who listens is from the Netherlands. Can you just tell what pata is? Oh, I hope if they're listening, <laughs> I'm saying the good thing. I think I think pata is like a foundation for people to get like um, inspired. They do so much. It started from love for sneakers and not being able to have those sneakers in in the Netherlands. Two friends and you know they went there and then just bought some, brought it, and then. But it was like it was a store in the beginning, but everybody would go there. So it like came like became like this community. And, you know, now they've got a Pata Sound system, they've got the running team, but they've also got a foundation that they, they give back to youth and their experience. They work together with, with schools, with universities to see, you know, to help people that want to become an entrepreneur. They tell them about entrepreneurship. So it's actually, yeah, it's, it's something, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like just big and I'm really proud of them because since I was 15, I've I've known them and then also from the beginning that they started Pata and everything and to see what it became and it's so big and has so much influence and now that they're really giving back is really beautiful. You know, they're I think they're very inspiring for for a lot of, of youngsters. And they, they they started with clothes, right? They started with shoes. Shoes. Because, okay. Yeah, because Pata really actually means shoe. Yes. Yeah. And they're 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 from Suriname. Yeah. So they also really carry their culture. And that's also something, you know, so a lot of uh, youngsters can identify with it. And they're like, you know, it's their black entrepreneurs. And so a lot of, you know, they also really want to help like black ownership and, and you know, uh, provide like a big platform for, for, for youth with like an immigrant background, you know, that you can also make it. And then, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a, yeah, you know, that's a good. fan. Yeah. But I thought it's good if also the audience knows what is exactly Pata. And Lika you have a son benjamin i hope i can mm. say his name yeah. um tell us about him and and the bond that you two have now well i've got a son his name is benjamin like you just said he's 10 years old and i think we have a special bond but i think maybe every mother thinks they have that but yeah we we are very connected and i think also on a spiritual level but I think he's really funny and he's very artistic. He loves drawing and he's really good at it. So it's not just that I say that as his mother, but it's like also some artists have seen him and they're like, whoa. So he, yeah, he just loves to draw. And, but also, you know, I think he's busy with drawing in his mind all the time. And with, you know, he's very, uh, he loves nature and and animals. So he's always (laughs) very distracted by that. So yes. And he is in a special school. So it's like a special basis on the wise, we call it in the Netherlands. They've got a little bit smaller classes. Um, and well, sometimes they say it's, it's kids with special needs, but I think he's just not set as the norm. Because I don't think necessarily he has special needs, but it's just that he doesn't fit in the norm or in the, like the education system that we have. Whatever um, the norm is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like, you know, but like for the, yeah. Yeah, so he, you know, sometimes he is also like, 
mom, am I, I'm not in a normal school, am I? It's like, no, because you are really special, you know, like, and it's good to be special. You know, why would you want to be normal, you know? But for me, he's a normal kid like anybody else. But then he's got a um, disharmonic profile. So he's highly intelligent. Um, but like he's on a verbal level and making connections and everything, you know, he's very intelligent. But then his, um, how do you say, it? the speed of like getting the knowledge to Processing. It, yes, processing is uh, on a like a normal medium level. But for him, that makes it disharmonic. So sometimes it's really hard for him to focus or to concentrate. So yeah, that's why he, yeah, he, he needs some more explanation sometimes. But once he gets it, it's like ah, amazing. And you are you actually raised him mostly by yourself. Yes, mostly by myself. And he is mixed. So for me, I think I also saw a lot of things that I didn't have as, as being like a white girl. Uh, and, and, and see that he gets treated a little bit different sometimes. So it's also a challenge. You also want to teach him about both cultures. Like, you know, and then, and it's also a challenge. You, he needs to know who he is. But at what age do you start, you know, with those things? Because you don't, if you see the media or you see what sometimes they teach them in school, it's like, well, that's not the reality. So how do you teach a young boy what the reality is and make him strong and believe in himself? So I try to raise him with, you know, with certain values that he always values himself and knows who he is you know he will never be treated as the the, the, the white boy from uh, the from the from the south let, let's say like that so it's like he, yeah i don't even i don't i don't know how to explain it very good but you yeah you try to give him the values that you think that that are needed and also for him to survive but also for him to be authentic to not lose the little beautiful person that he is But then, you know, also things changed because I have a partner, like I told you in the introduction. And so now he has a daughter and she is nine and Benjamin is 10 and they are really good together. They're like really a team. So that's really nice. And uh, we've got a baby on the way. So we are really yes. like a blended family. And I didn't want to say it until you said it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, shall I say <laughs> But it? But Lika is But like 20 weeks pregnant? Yes, yes. <laughs> Maya Angelou also says, when you get the chance to sit out or dance, I hope you dance. And you have danced a lot in your life. What does dancing mean to you? Uh, dancing is freedom. For me, it's like really freedom. It's like just escaping reality maybe or sometime, or maybe stepping into the reality could also be. And it's just, it's amazing. I don't know. I, I, I dance like salsa and everything. So most of the time it's also with like partnering. And it's just, if you have this, if, 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 if the lead is good, it just makes you feel so, yeah, well, what I said, it's, it's, it's freedom. And, and also dance brought me like a lot of international friends and getting to know a lot of other places. Uh, you know, I performed at a lot of uh, different, different countries and, and also, Those weekends, and I also see that with the running culture, but 
um, for me, it was the dance culture that you would go somewhere, like maybe go Copenhagen. And then, you know, on the Friday, we'll get together and, you know, have a party. And already the first shows are like to introduce the dancers. And then you don't sleep at all. And the next day you teach and then maybe you sleep for an hour. And then at night there are parties and shows again. And then, you know, it just continues like that. And you get home really tired, but you get so much energy from just dance, from dancing. Yeah, it's an it's a way of expressing. Yeah. And you were chasing the dancing. You told me you went to Cuba. You made your parents actually take you to Cuba. <laughs> yes, I did. You wanted to learn? Yeah, I, 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 I was really like, when I was in Venezuela, first, I really loved hip hop. So before moving to Venezuela, I was this girl liking hip hop and going to hip hop parties and not really dancing, maybe just, you know, bouncing, but it was not, I wasn't a, an outspoken hip hop dancer. And then I went to Venezuela and everything was dancing together and this funny, nice merengue stuff. And I was like, oh, man, damn, do I really have to do that? Mm -mm, you know, a little bit like that. And then but once I did it, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, and then I got back to the Netherlands when I moved here again. I missed that social dancing. Um, so I, I did like a, a traineeship at a dance school, at a salsa dance school in, in Amsterdam. And. There I really started to get into uh, salsa because I was asked to be, you know, be someone's assistant in, in, and he was really amazing, really good. But he also danced a lot of Afro-Cuban. And I, I really like the whole Afro-Cuban culture. I don't know. Also, the whole thing with the Orishas, which are like, yeah, they're, they're deities. You know, it's like the goddess the of the sea. No, the ancestors is something. No. It's, it's a different thing. But it's like, it's really like the... It's like we, we call it the goddess of the sea, for example, Yemaya, and she protects, you know, all the sea seamen. And then you've got the goddess of love, which is Ochung, and you've got a lot of, of separate, it's like actually nature gods. And then um, I was really like, wow, that's amazing. That's something that I feel like, wow, you know, I don't know. It feels like as if that's, I don't know, like a call, but I was really, really curious about it. And I knew that in Cuba, there was a, a big community and a, a lot of, you know, people that, that believe in them. And yeah, and I so I made my parents take me to Cuba. <laughs> We did a family trip. And it was also to, you know, and I, I, in, in Havana, I was there and then I met some religious people. And it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be at the beginning. Uh, but that was also because they saw me, they saw a tour, tourists and they, they saw like maybe money. So it was like more commercial than like really into like, yeah, the, deep, the deeper meaning of it. And then uh, we went to a, a smaller town and I was like, well, maybe that the whole religious part is not part of me, but I, the, the, the dance part, it's like something I'm so curious about. And then I took classes, but I didn't believe that I wanted to learn about the Orishas. They were like more like, no, but you mean salsa. I was like, no, I really don't mean salsa. And then I had this very strict teacher and he made me come very early and do all these body movements and I would be already tired and then explain me about which Orisha we were going to dance for. After that, I went to Cuba like a lot, like once or twice a year and stay a little bit longer. So Lika, who has been your soul? Who inspired you? So many women, <laughs> especially if I look around myself, I've got all these women that I get to work with also. And that, you know, like Rocky Heyakaya, Diuna Abdullah Fishkan, Cecil Moyano, Sharita Sandgrond, all those women, if you don't know them, look them up. But they, yeah, they are really beautiful women that inspire and help the community forward or fight injustice. 
like really, really good. But if I think like who has been my soul, I've mentioned her a few times already in the podcast. It's really my mom. And I wouldn't think that I would say this when I was younger because I, I, I didn't have my, my, my vision that I have now. But looking back at my mom's history, I mean, she had to work in my grandpa's store. He had a grocery store. Uh, she wasn't able to study because, you know, women at that time, it wasn't normalized that they would study. Uh, but she didn't really have a future there because, you know, the grocery store would pass on to her brother because that he was the male. And she wasn't allowed to marry my dad because my dad wasn't religious. And my mom was very raised very Catholic. And at the end, she did choose for herself. She did marry my dad after a priest gave permission because my grandpa was like, if the priest gives permission and the priest just looked at my dad, heard the story and he was like, this is a good man, you know, religious or not, he's a good man. He will take care of her. So yes. So my grandpa couldn't do anything about it anymore. And then my mom was like, yeah, I, I want to do something for myself. And she studied at, at night and she opened her own flower shop. And then she, you know, they thought they couldn't have children. After six years of being married, I, I came and I mean, she worked so hard they, they, with an own shop. You have to work like seven days a week. But she always took care of me and then later of my brother. She always provided. And yeah, she's such a strong woman. I don't know how she managed everything, but it's like, wow. And then always, you know, being a listening ear for others and even helping out. And my dad was sick for a long time. And then she would manage to have the store and do it on her own. And then take care of my dad and even for me I was a, in my well I was a little bit older than my puberty but my brother was still in his puberty you know she she managed it and she would never you know at that time would never complain about it and I think that's really amazing on how she does and then I think uh, I got closer with her when I became a mother because seeing her love my son and the love that a grandma has for her grandchild is like wow and then you know I could let her in more as well and now with this pregnancy I'm like really uh, sharing everything with her because I think that's also maybe my thing that I didn't really share everything uh, even though I'm always open but now I really share with her and I see that she is so in love already and you know and it's 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 really beautiful and she has problems with her leg right now she, she can do a lot of things but she's still there like I need to sometimes it's really stubborn and you're like mom but you shouldn't you know we, we want to have you here and don't you know don't overdo stuff but yeah she for me is a really big ins inspiration yes definitely. beautiful yeah and to whom do you want to pass the salt and what do you have to say well I think to the younger generation, I see them every day. And what I really want to say is you have to believe in yourself, like really believe in yourself and um, see how you can learn from others, other people's stories, what I've said, but also ask for help if needed, because I think people are very proud and they want to do it all by themselves. But sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not a failure if you ask somebody else to help. And really believe in yourself and try things, try new things. What we talked about, I mean, trying gives you experience. And that's, you know, how you will get them. But don't let other people tell you that you're not good enough or you're not making it or, you know, you come from this background. So, you know, the future is not that much for you. No, 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 no. Truly believe in that you can do it. And and I think, you know, you you can because you've got so much power inside of you to make it happen. And sometimes I think like for now also like what you see with, with youngsters, they feel so lonely sometimes. And I think that's really sad also like 
uh, students that you know fight with their sexuality that not sure and then they don't they're too afraid to talk about it uh you know you see that that making an end of their life sometimes is some as a topic we don't talk talk about that much or maybe we do but you know it's it's like look at the person next to you ask them how are you you know just simple questions ask each other check on each other and if you see like somebody is in need to talk then you know talk to them or see like help them out to see to see somebody because i think we should really take care of each other if everybody takes care a little bit of the one the person next to them it's not too hard yes yeah. and lika what is your question to me yeah here it comes <laughs> No, well, you, well, we haven't we haven't met in person yet, and before knowing you, you already gave me advice, and um, I, I I told you this last time. You through a friend of mine, Simone, who did the introduction for your podcast, you gave her some advice, and she gave that to me, and actually I really listened to it, and that's sort of how I am where I'm at now with my partner. So I would like to ask you: Would you like to share that story? And maybe you can also tell something about how you manage with all the things you do and being a mother, how you manage to still be so in love with your husband. <laughs> how do you know I am? No, I, I look at you and I see it. People don't do it, maybe, but I see it. When you talk about him, it's like, did you choose? <laughs> okay, so the story. Yes, in 2006, I was in Greece. Mm. I mean, I'm in Greece every summer. Um, I'm originally from Greece and uh, yeah, I grew up as a migrant. Anyway, every summer I'm in Greece. And one summer in 2006, uh, we met with my mom's lost family because my mom lost her father when she was three. My grandmother remarried. She lost contact with all the family. And many, 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 many years later, they found her. So we went there to meet with them. And um, one of her cousins, a very independent woman, um, and from all the family, she really stood out to me. She passed away last year. And I met her only one time in my life. Um, I spoke to her again, but I met her only once. And she approached me and she says to me, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, no, I don't. I mean, I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. And she says to me, I want to give you one advice. You will choose the man you want to be with. He won't choose you. You will choose him. And she didn't say nothing else. And in that moment, I did not completely understand what she meant. And maybe everybody understands something else. But her comments stayed with me. And um, then later, my mom told me her story. Because when she was younger, she got engaged. And she slept with the man she was engaged with. And then the man left her and dishonored her. Because back then in Greece, things were much more conservative than they are now. So she was dishonored and yeah, nobody would want her. So she oh. never married, but she, her life didn't stop there. She became a nurse. She traveled. She worked in Beirut. She worked in Cyprus. She, she yeah, but she gave me this advice. And uh, I've told quite a lot of, no, not quite a lot, but I've, the older I get, the more I share this piece of advice with others because I see how we women many times do not choose the man that we want to be with. We allow him to choose us. We get laugh bombed, bombed with compliments. Mm -hmm. And we think, okay, he wants me, so I, I have to go for it. 
um, or we yeah. depend so much on this external um, uh, external affirmations from men, mm -hmm. their presence, their compliments. And yeah, sometimes we, we don't choose the man. We let him choose us. And sometimes we don't even realize that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes we allow our families to choose our partner or our environment or surrounding. So mm -hmm. yeah. And I can say, and now I will go to your next question, that I did choose my partner. And it was really, I was really conscious about it. And I was so confident in choosing him and so confident being with him and bringing him to my family and standing up for him and not being afraid of what others will think that, um, yeah, I, I just... I just knew that's him and I chose him and probably he chose me too, but um, <laughs> I chose him with confidence and with faith. And I knew that this is the man I want to be with. And um, it's so powerful when you choose your man or yes. your partner. It's not just your man. Yeah. Whoever you want to be with. So and then how, how am I still well, in love with well, him? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe it's already like, what did it, what did did this advice bring you maybe that's well, I don't know maybe that's the love thing I don't know tell me the secret it just empowered me it it hurt me a lot when I understood what she meant mm -hmm. because I remembered moments and now we would get very deep I'm not going to go into details where I didn't experience nice things but by choosing him it made you really strong yes strong in a different way because I thought strong meant something else before but mm -hmm. yes Yes, I chose him and I knew what I was doing and what I wanted and I just went for it. Yeah. So that's it. To yeah, that that's and and I've told many of my friends and when they understood what this means to choose the person you want to mm -hmm. be with, I know that I changed many of my friends. Yeah, but is that also that the the thing that really brought you partnership? Like by choosing that, because that's what I see now when I got that advice that was just before I I met my my partner. And I, I really see that it was a very conscious choice. Mm -hmm. And and the, the beautiful thing about it was that he was at the same point in his life. So he was also there to make that conscious choice mm -hmm. for himself. So we really both chose. And then I really see that this is the first time I have a partnership. Maybe because of the choice. It's like the other ones were maybe relationships, but it wasn't partnership. And this is the first time it's partnership and we really get to talk about things. Also, we say we this time we're going to do things differently because we by choosing you, I choose me. And I think that's the most important lesson that I, I took out of it. Like because I choose, I also choose me. Yeah. So everything I do should be consciously a choice by me of course I, i i will take you in consideration but i have to listen to is this something that i really also feel that i want to do or is it something because i'm pleasing because my pleasing behavior wasn't healthy so i cannot even blame my my other boyfriends or you know i don't even want to call them partners because it wasn't a partnership but that's what what your story really brought me by choosing my relationship i chose me yeah. yes you did yeah <laughs> thank you You made me, you know, or your own, take your own. Wow. And I hope many, you know, people that listen to this, they, yeah, they get to experience this because it's really, it's really strong. Yeah. For me, it is very strong and yeah. it's really her legacy and I will continue 
and she died last year, but I spoke with her before and I told her, you gave me this advice and I have given it to others and it really changed my life, of course, years later, but I want to thank you for that. So that was my last conversation with her and then she passed a few months later. But you're still keeping her alive by by passing this on. Yeah. It's so beautiful. This is beautiful, (laughs) you know, see? Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Dika. I'm happy with this ending. <laughs> yes, you yes. See? You see, the other question was really like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, I always honor a woman at the end of the podcast. I was planning uh-huh. to honor somebody else. But uh-huh. I will honor my aunt because of how this- you made me ask this question. I want to honor her for, yeah, for what she told me and what happened to her yeah taught her this probably in a very painful way but i want to honor her today and Uh, um yeah that she told me this and that she changed already so many lives so yeah i want to honor her yes yes (laughs) i honor her too yeah her name was evangelia actually which means the good news it's more based from the bible the good news Mm -hmm. but i think with this quote she's bringing good news yes definitely Evangelia. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lika, so much for Thank you. today. And yeah. yes, I will upload, of course, all your information on my website, on Instagram, and people can reach out to you, connect with you. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And if you've been enjoying Sold, please consider rating the show on Apple Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could share it on your social media because, yeah, it helps us spread the message, the good news, yes. and also to bring um, new listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Salieri, and this is Sold the Podcast. Sold the Podcast. Sold the Podcast.